0: The following
1: is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
2: Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today.
1: Let's have some fun.
3: 400 vibes. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10-4. Tonight. We'll make it happen.
2: We know what we got to do. The
1: Motor Racing Network presents
2: NASCAR Live. As a president, uh, I'm fortunate to have a a pretty good crew of people around us, so it's no longer a one-man band like it was when my father got things started up way back when things
3: are really good uh we're coming off of our sophomore season for the chase which went very well i think the interesting thing in 05 because
1: kevin harvey came up he said you know the neat thing about this format we did things out there in this season that i never thought possible from the motor racing network studios in concord north carolina here is your host mike bagley
4: hello everybody welcome to another edition and another year of nascar live mike bagley and the mrn crew here with you as we start our 35th year of NASCAR Live on MRN. This week, it's our State of the Sport show. We will spend time with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. We'll talk about the current status of things going on in the sport and also what we can look forward to in 2018. But before we do that, let's bring in Woody Kane from NASCAR today, a busy news day. We kick off with news coming out of the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Woody. Some news that
3: a lot of folks were not expecting to get this morning. Yeah, Blake Cook has been with Colleg Racing for the past two seasons. They made the playoffs in each of 2016 and 2017. But the team now says Ryan Truex will move up from the Camping World Truck Series and drive that Leaf Filter machine in 2018. But that's only part of the story, Mike. As you know, you had a chance to talk with him earlier, uh, Blake Cook, I mean. And again, we've seen this story repeated over and over. It comes down to finances. Matt Colleg, the owner of the team, says Leaf Filter's not going to be the only sponsor, the only one footing the bill. They need to get some more revenue from outside sources. So Ryan Truex moves up, apparently brings some money with him. He will be in the seat for 2018.
4: And Blake Cook and Matt colleague are best friends and still are best friends. This is a matter of business, not a slight on Blake's driving abilities. Of course, Blake is looking for other opportunities and not really married to one individual series. He'll go Cup, he'll go Xfinity, he'll go Truck. He said he would go Global Rallycross if he could. While at the same time, Ryan Truex was able to bring some capital and bring some finances into that
3: race team for 2018 yeah and let's keep in mind that matt collig the owner of the team said he's not against running two cars in 2018 but we get back to finances again he's got to have sponsorship in order to do that for more on this developing story head off to mrn.com
4: to get the latest in news there also some testing first testing of 2018 underway at texas motor speedway today
3: yeah first time cars have been on the track this year officially and a lot of firsts come up here not only that it's the first time on track this year, but the new Camaro makes its debut with Chase Elliott behind the wheel, number nine on the side of that machine. Eric Almarola and Ryan Blaney getting a chance to work with their new teams for the first time this season. It was a big deal at Texas today and Martin Truex Jr. Nothing new there except he's the defending champ. Felt good to be back in the car. It hasn't really been that long. Felt like, uh, you know, felt really honestly just felt like yesterday we were on the track, uh, racing still. So, um, yeah, it felt good to get back out there, and uh, you know, really, just it's a good year tire test. So, trying to, you know, figure out what tire we need to bring back here in the spring, and uh, you know, to be able to put on the best show possible. Defending champ Martin Truex Jr. was among four drivers making laps at Texas Motor Speedway Tuesday for a Goodyear tire test that represented the first on-track activity of 2018. For Chase Elliott, it was an opportunity to debut his new number nine, but more importantly. It was also the debut for Chevrolet's new Camaro ZL1 at the cup level.
5: I think until we get in the situations and kind of get some races under our belt as as not only an organization but as a... Uh, you know, as a manufacturer as a whole um, to see exactly how we stack up, I think it'll be uh, tough to say until then. Eric
3: Almarola was eager to get behind the wheel of the number 10 Fords at Stuart Haas Racing for the first time.
5: Anytime, you know, change is introduced, it's, it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting, um, and it kind of breaks the monotony, you know, for the last six years over the off offseason. Uh, there hasn't been a lot to do my seats and all that have stayed the same a lot of my guys on my team team have stayed the same so uh, the off season's been pretty mellow and relaxed and uh
3: sort of routine ryan blaney is in a similar situation working with team penske and the number 12 team
2: it's a a good year test so you're not doing huge changes on the cars uh, so it's kind of hard to tell how they'll work together but you know everyone knows each other really well and um, that's really all i can ask for is they'll get along and and, uh, communicate well and it seems like that's going in the right direction so far.
3: Next up is an organizational test January 31st at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Mike? Thank you Woody and again
4: MRN.com your destination to keep up with all things NASCAR news. NASCAR president Brent Dewar is joining us next.
6: The thought of winter coming can be chilling. Knee-deep snow, face numbing winds, frozen fingers, temperatures below zero. And yet, without a Duralast car battery, it could be even worse. That's why Duralast batteries are tested to perform in harsh conditions. So even if it's 40 below zero, your car can start up like it's 72 and sunny. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff.
5: Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty
1: Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: Don't forget, folks, next Tuesday, it's going to be a special Hall of Fame edition of NASCAR Live. Ray Evernham is going to join us, Ron Hornaday Jr., also Ken Squire is going to stop by. Of course, one week from Friday, join us as the ninth class of NASCAR's Hall of Fame is inducted. Live coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on MRN. Coming up next, NASCAR President Brent Dewar will join us. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to
4: Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It is year 35, and it is the first show of that year. And as always, it's a pleasure to sit down and visit with presidents of this sport. There have been three prior. We need to talk about Bill France Sr., Bill France Jr., also Mike Helton. Now we welcome Brent Dewar into this fold and this show for our State of the Sport of their sport that we love, the sport of NASCAR. Brent, welcome to NASCAR Live, and welcome to 2018.
2: Thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you, and um, really appreciate uh, getting the opportunity to chat with some of our fans today and talk about the sport we love. It seems like it's been
4: an eternity since uh, we've been at Homestead Miami Speedway crowning Martin Truex Jr. and William Byron and Christopher Bell as champions, and I'm sure that there's a lot happening behind the scenes as just as a, an overall general sweep through things, what's been afoot in the world of NASCAR as far as the corporate offices are concerned ever since we dropped the checkered flag the weekend before Thanksgiving?
2: Yeah, probably what most fans don't realize, Mike, is um, the off season, um is as busy as the season for us. And so, you know, getting ready for the 60th running of uh, the Daytona 500 coming up pretty soon. Um, we, we really work hard in a lot of the execution elements that we kind of set in play around August 1st for the following season. So uh, we're excited. I mean, we 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 loved what we saw in 2017. And we're really excited about the changes that are coming in 2018. There's lots, lots to be uh, looking forward to for the from a fan and a and the business of NASCAR standpoint as we head into 2018.
3: At
4: Miami, uh, you had made the mention that this sport was in a state of flux. It's a work in progress. Where are we right now, heading into this race season?
2: I think what I said to you was not flux, but it's a state of transition. I think it was, if I recall our conversation, but, and, and we're still going through that transition, Mike, uh, on, a, on a number of different fronts. And uh, if you pick at it, pick at it from our store power, our drivers, um, we, we've we been working on this for the last, you know, six to eight years with the NASCAR Next program, the Drive for Diversity, knowing that, you know, we're very, be- we have a great benefit that our drivers have a long career uh, compared to other sports. Uh, but it's that cycle when when we start to cycle out and and this program you guys have talked a lot about the change out of the Jeff Gordons and the Tony Stewart's iconic incredible drivers Hall of Famers uh, but we're really excited about those new young drivers that are coming up, uh, into the series, you know, whether it's a Kyle Larson, even a Joey Logano, who's a veteran, uh, in his late twenties and Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott's and on and on and on. And with a whole bunch of really exciting, uh, new class that are coming in this year as well. So that, that part of the transition is, is, is taking effect and we're excited and they're racing against amazing veterans and champions, whether it's the Kevin Harvicks and the, you know, Kyle Bush's and Kurt Bush's, et cetera. Um, I think, I think, On the track, Mike, I think uh, we couldn't be more excited about where we're seeing that transition and change to the driver. And I think we've talked last time, you know, the young guns are here and they're not only young, but they're really, really good. And, uh, And lots to be excited about for the fans.
4: You know, you talk about the generational shift in the sport and with that shift comes obviously... Older drivers leave, leaving, more established drivers leaving, and this influx of young drivers. When we talk about this, obviously Eric Jones comes to mind, you know Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, not to leave anybody off the list, just examples. And a lot of folks are asking, well, how do we make these drivers household names? Um, I maintain it's through on-track performance and connection with the fan, the successes on both of those fronts. What is your answer to that? How do we make younger drivers household names like the Petties and the Pearsons and the Gordons and the Earnharts of the world?
2: Yeah, there's no question. We we see it as twofold, Mike. I think that first of all, it's performance. This is a performance-based uh, you know sport, like all sports are, and you know that's why we've made some of the thoughtful transitional changes to both the Camping World Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. You know, we we talk about where names are made, and allowing these drivers to get to the you know victory victory lane and and winning races in those series are very important before they get up to the you know, Monster Energy Cup Series so that performance i think is 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 uh is is paramount uh, the second part is one of the exciting challenges we face is this generation of drivers uh they come to us with very media savvy so i i liken it back to when i first joined nascar and we were encouraging the veteran drivers like you really got to embrace social media and to be honest it was hard for some of them to make that transition we don't even have to have that conversation with young guys. I mean, they were in social media before they met us. And so it's now allowing them to find their voice. You know, Mike uh, is, not you know, really allowing them to participate, find their voice. And they have to navigate through who they are, how to differentiate themselves, navigate the sponsor, you know, rules and some of those kind of factors that are you know, part of all sports. And and so I think it's those two pillars that we're working on. And, and I'm excited about that. You you see the Ryan Blaney's and the Darrell Wallace Jr.'s, and these are very active, savvy social media folks. Um, and, and that's exciting. And so that's how that name gets out. And it, it, it'll attract even a different audience than we're traditionally seeing from traditional media. When these drivers
4: tweet, when they snap on Snapchat or when they post on Facebook, Do you guys monitor that, not necessarily for content, but see what kind of traffic comes from that? And if so, what does come from that? What traffic emerges from that social media interaction with these drivers?
2: So we have, I think a lot of the fans don't realize, we we have a very deep uh, research and analytics group. And so we... We created with a partnership, uh, I think going back five five years ago, uh, a fan and media engagement center here in Charlotte. And so we monitor all social media uh, about the sport, whether it comes from a driver, a crew chief, a sponsor, anything to do with NASCAR, uh, a celebrity that maybe does a hashtag. We have so many celebrities that are fans of the sport. So yes, we do that monitoring. And, and we try to understand the communication levels that happen. And that's, that's the beauty of technology today. And, and we're a leader in technology in that so, you know, we definitely do that. Um, we also, through the drivers' council and the all drivers' meetings, uh, we talk to them about messaging. And 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 our our drivers, crew chiefs, uh, you know, team members on the crew really have a, a great opportunity to to share their voice through the new channels of social media and digital to really get their message out. And uh, we're excited about that. We we we've seen a definite pivot in the last two years in that regard.
4: And the drivers aren't the only ones. Uh, the crew chiefs and the owners aren't the only ones on social media. You're on social media at Brent Dewar, D E W A R. What kind of response? What kind of interaction do you get with the fans when you get on Twitter?
2: It's pretty good. I mean, uh, they, they they recognize that I'm active, so I will get direct uh, you know messages from them or you know through the parts. So my role, and and this is something else we try to we try to teach. Uh, not only to the drivers in the industry, but to ourselves. And uh, so Steve O'Donnell has a great presence in social media. He is the voice of NASCAR for competition elements. Uh, so when I move to the president role, um, you know, my role is primarily to amplify the sport. However, I will jump in to the active dialogue if there's a misunderstanding or a clarification or, you know, some of those aspects. And and so the fans, I think, over time have started to notice that. And so I've been having that kind of conversation. Um, The biggest thing that I noticed, Mike, between business coming from the Fortune 50 world into uh, the sports side is the sports fans are active and engaged constantly, 24-7, 365, if you let them. And uh, they want that engagement, that dialogue. And so that's the role I try to play is to kind of keep moving along. And uh, sports fans are passionate, and NASCAR sports fans are probably the most passionate that I've found so far.
4: And again, if you want to interact with Brent on Twitter, at Brent Dewar, D E W A R. You mentioned Steve O'Donnell at O D Steve on Twitter. And of course, to interact with us at MRN Radio, hashtag AskMRN. Coming up, more with NASCAR president
1: Brent Dewar. The Country 500 Music Festival is back at Daytona International Speedway. How do you like me? Now? With Toby Keith, Chris Stapleton, Dirk Bentley and so much more country 500 memorial day weekend may 25th 26th and 27th for tickets and information visit country500.com sponsored in part by budweiser
4: live sports are the one true reality entertainment where a single dramatic moment can become timeless In NASCAR, Motor Racing Network's live broadcast elevates your senses to the sights, sounds, and struggles taking place on the racetrack. Keselowski to the bottom of the racetrack. He tries to slide up. Newman is there. Sideways is Keselowski. The power of radio to the imagination of the listener. Tune in to the Motor Racing Network. Visit MRN.com for an affiliate list in your local area. More with NASCAR President Brent Dewar coming up. First, this is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome
4: back to NASCAR Live. We continue with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. Brent, for those that may not be familiar with you, that may not know you, that may hear the name but they're not able to connect who you are with what you've done give the fans and the listeners a little rundown about where you've been what makes you a car guy and when did you start becoming a car guy
2: i basically grew up in the car industry and uh you know i for many many of the fans know i was uh, born in vancouver canada so i'm a canadian by birth and i grew up in a non-car family my dad's terrific guy high school principal and I fell in love with uh, around the age of nine with Corvettes and uh, didn't have a short track in my area uh, where I lived in Canada, but we had a drag strip, and a good friend of mine befriended me, and he took me to the drag strip, and that's where I got hooked, and from that led to working in the auto industry uh, from Canada, and I worked around the world, Mike, uh, United States and Brazil and Europe, and it was a great experience, and from that, the car company I worked with, uh, we raced. We raced cars, and we were allowed to race cars and series all around the world Uh, NASCAR was probably the most preeminent series we raced in and so I got to know NASCAR from the automotive side the sponsorship side and uh, fast forward I joined NASCAR starting my fifth year Uh, I'm I'm a fan and the the, the fans will see that I I approached this as a fan first and uh, don't I still remember my first race and those kind of things and uh, so um, I now get to work in this uh, great sport.
4: You know what's amazing is that you tell the story of growing up in Western Canada didn't sound like that cars flowed through the family veins as far as your father was concerned. How do we go about hooking the young fan today, engaging them, pulling them in and keeping them in your opinion?
2: Yeah, it's it, I think it's the same way. It's it um it's just a kind of a modern version of that and uh, you know many of the, many of the folks know that I have a daughter Olivia that's 11 and and so it's fathers and sons fathers and daughters mothers and sons whatever combination that brings uh for me it was a you know 9 year old friends uh kind of uh you know joining, hooking me up to take me to a drag strip. I think that those dynamics still exist today. You know, we live in this situation of time poverty where today versus when I was a kid, there's so many choices of things to do um, that we have to prioritize. And I think the best way to grow the fan for life of any sport is through these relationships. And, uh, you know, we initiated through the through the track council a few years ago with for the Xfinity and Truck series you know you know kids being free and and entry come with your parents and trying to reinitiate Mike uh, families coming and spending a great family day at the NASCAR track.
4: You know that's amazing that you bring that up because a lot of the quality family time I had um, was at the racetrack. We went there every single weekend. That was a chance for me to bond with my father, and later in life, a chance for me. To basically spend time with him before I said goodbye to him. A lot of great days were spent at the racetrack, and a lot of that's done on the short track level. I've always been a proponent of this time of year when we start talking about baseball, and you always hear take a kid to the ballpark. I'm an advocate of taking a kid to the racetrack. Get him hooked at that young age, get him at the short track level. Once you get that hook, set it, and then you got a fan for life, as far as I'm concerned.
2: And we, we agree with that, Mike. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we've got a, we've got a large sport and all sports go through their ups and downs and challenges in any given moment. Um, What's interesting for us is we have measurably, you know, 80 million, you know, NASCAR fans on an annual basis. And the key, the key to success, the long-term success is those two and a half million fans that get to come to a, 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 you know, a racetrack at the national level. And if we have a great experience and they see that they see the sport in all its sound and color and pageantry that, quite frankly, you just don't get in all the other mediums. You guys do an amazing job of telling the sport on radio, as does our broadcast partners. But that experience is the key to getting a fan for life because when they dial back into you on the radio the next time, they can really see and experience it even greater. So we believe we really have to keep working on that great fan experience at the track and ha- get them to... to as many races as they can and they'll appreciate the sport much deeper and be engaged much further
4: does that start at the track level and stay there how involved is the sanctioning body with the racetrack trying to ensure that the fan has the most positive experience possible
2: yeah so we're, we're we're highly engaged together i mean we've got great track partners and through the you know, through the charter agreements with the teams and the five-year sanctions with the tracks, it gave them um, a span to really start to make these investments that are necessary on behalf of the fans, and they're and they're doing that. You know, the first thing they had to get the safety and the safer barriers and some, a lot of those elements, and now the next thing is they're working on. And they've been doing it in parallel, but these fan. You know, fan zone, fan experiences, you know, whether it's an enhanced weekend or whether it's, you know, some of the other elements are doing, trying to Wi-Fi the facility so you can be connected uh you know, to the rest of the world and the other things that are happening while you're at the track. Um, those are really important, and we work closely together in that, and we formed a track council where we get the inputs from both the research and from our fans, the fan councils. We work together closely with them. And um, there's, these are big investments that you have to make. These are these are not small stadiums. You know, you you take the diameter and circumference of a Talladega and a big facility and a Bristol. Uh, these are complex to do. While it's not just a sporting event. We're pushing out data, telemetry at the same time that we're trying to have, you know, the fans engage with the sport. So it's a little more complex than most other sports, but uh, the tracks and the Sanction bite are up to the challenge.
4: They are, and they've responded quite nicely. I mean, I remember days when we went to the racetrack without Wi-Fi, without having all the technology that we have today without fan vision we had to rely on the scoreboard and, and if you're at Pocono you had to rely on the guy to change the numbers on the correct lap at the scoreboard or even at places like Martinsville or North Wilkes, where we have come a long way and that segues me into a conversation about technology where are we from a technology standpoint in this sport right now
2: well I think I think in some respects it's misunderstood I think some folks think this is a low tech sport and it's not i mean these are this is a high tech sport whether you're talking from a race team whether you're talking from a sanctioning body at nascar you know the things we've gone from we're introducing every single year uh the latest elements of technology this year we're you know a couple of years ago we did the pit road officiating you know, Mike, we used to have officials trying to, you know, see things with their visual eyes. Uh, great debates on the calls on Pitt Road uh, implemented the with, with Hawkeye. Um, a pit Road technology with 40 cameras, and uh, there's not even a debate today. So we use the latest technology to help us to officiate the sport and also to make the sport safer. You know,
4: last year we spent a lot of time, teams, you know, failing the laser inspection station, spending time on Pitt Road during happy hour practice or or any practice for penalties because of that. How will this new system um, counteract that or perhaps maybe lower that time spent in the penalty box during practice?
2: So it's a great question, Mike. I, I think there's going to be, obviously, a more efficient way that things get done, uh, and that's important from not only our team that is officiating, but also the race teams. I would say, as long as the race teams keep pushing the envelope, and that's what they've been conditioned to do for 70 years, we're celebrating our 70th year in the sport, uh, they push it to the end of the tolerances. So this, isn't a, this isn't about uh, whether the, the inspection system works or doesn't work. Uh, they try to get that last a little bit and uh, our job is to keep them on the other side of that. And I think it was, a uh, in some regrets, in some aspects this year, it was unfortunate uh, the number that got pushed to the edge and, uh, you know, through the team owner council, the competition committees, uh, we're working together to move that back in because we want all the cars on the track. We want all the best, everybody competing. But we want everybody to be a level playing field, so it's our job to do that. So uh, this technology will help, um, but like all great race teams, they'll take the technology and push the boundary again. And our goal is to as a sanctioning body to try to stay ahead of that and uh, to make it better for the fans.
4: More coming up with NASCAR president Brent Dewar.
1: In order to maximize a vehicle's performance and efficiency, the proper adjustments need to be made based on the road ahead. That's true for both race car drivers on the track and for truck drivers hauling freight on the highway. But if your truck's equipped with a Detroit DT12 automated manual transmission with intelligent powertrain management, adjustments are made automatically based on GPS terrain mapping, maximizing performance and efficiency. Don't just want better business solutions, demand them. Learn more at DemandDetroit.com mrn.com your online destination for all things nascar looking for the latest nascar news mrn.com nascar stats for fantasy racing mrn.com opinion pieces from award-winning motorsports riders mrn.com race schedules, series standings and photos mrn.com live race streaming and audio and video podcasts that you can't miss MRN.com. Stay up to date with all things NASCAR. MRN.com.
4: One month from Saturday, we are back on track, kicking off Speed Weeks 2018 at Daytona International Speedway. Coverage will begin at 10.30 a.m. with practice for the Advanced Auto Parts Clash. We'll also cover practices at 1 and 3 p.m. A month from Sunday, we'll have front row qualifying for the Daytona 500 and... The Advance Auto Parts Clash. To find an affiliate near you and for a complete broadcast schedule, check out MRN.com. Coming up, more with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue
4: along with NASCAR Live starting year 35, and we're visiting with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. Brent, you just told us a moment ago about collaboration. We've heard this a couple of times already in this interview about how NASCAR is working with tracks, how NASCAR is working with teams. You get a lot of input over the course of a race weekend, over the course of a month, a year. You've got a lot of folks that are in your ears, whether it's fans, teams, owners, broadcast partners, tracks. How do you put that through the colander and sift out things that are doable, things that want to be done and separate things that potentially aren't ready to be done yet and how do you take all of that and put it into a course of action.
2: Well, I think I think it's interesting. Um I'm I'm so excited about the future of the sport. I'm excited about today, about the future. And and so when I engage with some of the fans, they say, you know, and they'll, they'll pick what's missing, right? And uh what's interesting about the collaboration, Mike, is uh we're working with all the stakeholders but not just for what happens on the next race It what's happening a year from now, three years from now, five years, seven years. And to have us working together with that vision of what can be, um, is pretty exciting. And so, so I think that's, the biggest aspect of this, and to make that happen, we had to form a process that allowed quality input to come in, decisions to be made at the right time. It sounds pretty boring for the fans, and um, I just the, the takeaway I'd like them to know is that the, that we don't do anything that isn't with the intent of what's best for making the racing better making the racing fair, making it safe, et cetera. So these are the, we have pillars to follow, and all the decisions on behalf of that get passed through those, those filters. And, uh, and so I, I'm pretty excited about it. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mike, though, this is much harder to do it this way. Uh, it's a lot easier to sit at the back of the hauler, and whoever passes in front of you, uh, listen to those inputs. Um, <laughs> this is the way things get done today, and uh, so it is harder. Uh, but I would say we'll, we're making better decisions today, and we'll continue to make better decisions through this process. Um, and and I'm excited about it.
4: Is this an all-in type situation regardless of whoever we're talking about? We're all invested in this sport and it does appear that it's an all-in philosophy. Is it
2: that? It is completely all-in. So Everybody's got a voice and there's a, they understand there's a structured way to make sure their voice is heard, whether you're a manufacturer. We started with the Manufacturers Council and you and I have talked about it in the past. It was really interesting to have a Chevrolet, a Ford and Toyota in those first meetings. I mean, these are people that compete ferociously in the marketplace and on the racetrack. Um, and those early meetings were interesting and they still are very, very competitive but they understand that we come together to talk about common issues, common benefits, how to grow the sport together. Um, And we took that concept to the driver's council, to the team owner council, to the tracks, and then we bring them all together for cross disciplines where there's things that pass across everything. So um, it's all in, for sure. And the same with broadcast partners and and, uh, folks like yourself in the media.
4: You mentioned manufacturers just a moment ago. That leads me to a question that a lot of race fans have. What's the status of new manufacturers coming into this sport? Are there any on the horizon?
2: There are. um, Nothing to announce uh, right now on the manufacturer front. Um, We have a cadence to come in. The earliest uh, the one would be able to join would be Uh, 2020. Uh, We have entry ramps to come in. Um, We have been in conversations with a a number of manufacturers, and they love their interest in the sport. I think the discipline we just talked about helps them guide in these decisions of possible entry, how do they enter, You know, what's the kind of investment you need to make? What's the kind of commitment you need to make? Um, So the platform is strong, and it shows, you know, a a strong ROI potential for manufacturers to bring their products and come race with us. But nothing to announce uh, today for you, Mike.
4: Does NASCAR have, like, a magic number it would like to get to? I mean, back in the day, we had, what, five or six manufacturers at one time. We have three now. Is there a number we'd like to get back to?
2: I think optimally 4 or 5 is is the right number for what we're looking at. Um you know, we've got a great series in sport cars uh that, that focuses primarily on the luxury brands and that's the IMSA series. Um the you know, NASCAR series is the mass brands, the Toyotas, the Chevrolets, the Fords and their competitors. And uh we we think there's you know a couple more brands in America that, that would be perfectly suited to come join us and uh, race against their competitors. And uh, we work very hard at, uh, you know, keeping the, the sport in front of them. Uh, we had a number of them at the track last year joining us, uh, seeing the events and the direction of we're taking the sport. So uh, it's a work in progress, and uh, it's one of the ones that I personally lead.
4: Coming up, we've got more with NASCAR President Brent Dewar.
5: Join MRN as we travel through the life of NASCAR's most popular driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes back to the Daytona International Speedway leading the pack. I won races that I never thought I'd win. From growing up under the Earnhardt name to Super Speedway wins to Whiskey River, we dive into everything Dale Jr. He's brain man for NASCAR history. You know, we weren't the typical family that got to sit down to dinner together. Tune in to Junior's Journey, available on iTunes for download only on the Motor Racing Network.
1: In racing, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater history. There is no greater tradition than the Daytona 500. And this February 18th, there is no greater place to be as the great American race celebrates its 60th running. Last year sold out, so there is no greater time than now to guarantee your seats. Join us for the history-making 60th running of the Daytona 500. Sunday, February 18th. Guarantee your seats at 1-800-PIT-SHOP or Daytona500.com.
4: More with NASCAR President Brent Dewar coming up. First, this is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue along on this week's
4: edition of NASCAR Live. It's the State of the Sports Show with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. We've already talked about a lot of topics of conversation with more still to come. Brent, I want to tap into Twitter here. Uh, lots of Twitter questions for you. Uh, the first one comes from Jose, who wants to know if we'll see any tweaks to stage racing in
2: 2018. So, um, we're, Jose, we're really happy with the stage racing. I think um, I think it was a, a good example of the collaboration where the industry came together with the idea of stage racing. So, we're very happy with that. Um, I think what you'll see um, the very first stage in Daytona, every lap matters uh this year and i don't think was understood i think that people understood it but as it played out last year uh we're going to see that uh more prevalent a lot more strategy uh jose you'll see come into play with the crew chiefs and i think mike that's one of the other things we want to emphasize we got these great drivers but when we switch this year to the team rosters and emphasizing team rosters we really want to stress the team behind the team uh you had a great segment today about uh you know crew chiefs you know it's hard to define Martin Truex success without a Cole Pern. It's hard to find Cole Pern success without the team on, and uh, Adam Stevens with Kyle Busch, et cetera. So, uh, we're very happy with the stage racing. We think it's a great uh, enhancement to the sport, which is becoming, I think, quite frankly, uh, unique in motorsports.
4: Two things that came out of that answer. I'll get to the over the wall crew change that we've had in the off season in a moment, but. I, I'm curious, when when the topic of stage racing first ever got discussed, when you're sitting in the meeting and all of a sudden somebody brings up this concept, what was the reaction and how long did it take folks to buy in and get their arms around?
2: Well, we actually started it differently. So what we were trying to solve, we kept the industry together, and the number one complaint that we received through all of the inputs is we break away from live racing to go to commercial. And it's the number one fan complaint. Uh, But they understand commercials are necessary for the commercial side of the business, as all sports are. So we started first three years ago, Mike, with side-by-side commercials. And we call it NASCAR Go and uh, all these different names between the broadcast partners that they have for picture-in-picture. But many advertisers wouldn't accept that. So we sat with the team and said, how do we solve for this? And they said, well, we have to take we have to take commercial breaks like the other major sports. And that led to the concept of of breaking for stages. So the fan has the benefit of not missing green flag racing. Uh, We still have picture in picture uh, to complement them. And that was the first basis. And then the next thing was that it has to be authentic. It has to have an incentive for the drivers to be motivated for the stages. And that led the drivers and the team's inputs to create what we now know as the rules of stage racing. So we actually started with a fan need or solving a, you know, a complaint of the fans and uh, we didn't say let's create stage racing. We said, let's solve for that. And the industry came together and what you know is stages today is what we came up with.
4: One of the byproducts of that has come a concern from fans about losing green flag laps under the caution flag during the transition of these stage breaks. Is that, Is that a voice that you folks at NASCAR have heard? And is it something that you're currently trying to address?
2: I think we'll, we'll continue to modify it, Mike. I don't think it's as prevalent. We've done a lot of research on this, and there's definitely, when you have 80 million fans, um, we're going to have people with an opinion on everything. But I don't think it's as, as concerning as maybe some of, the, some of the conversation at this point. But we, we continue to fine-tune it and look to how to refine and, and make those adjustments. Um, and when we bring the councils together, that's one of the things that, that we have on our list of things to continue to discuss
4: one of the other things that came up in your answer was the mention of at-track rosters and now five five men going over the wall, or women, to service the race car. What is the objective of this, and where did this stem from?
2: Uh, very similarly. We, it's It's you know we, we've uh, focused very strongly on our star power of the drivers right and but but it's really evolved over the time period of we've gone to low down force in the cars and a lot of the strategy that's gone into it that we really want to emphasize it's the team and so it's the crew chief and the and the and the driver but it's the team that brings it together from uh, the folks that travel to the track et cetera so uh, what we love about NASCAR is the, is the pit stops and so you know this this effort of you know five over the wall on the crew and and identifying the pit crews with their numbers at the track you'll start to you start to see and understand the names of the people that make a championship team a high quality team and that's that's the method behind it that's the the logic behind what we're trying to achieve here. And um, and I think what you'll see with five over the wall and the rules we have is we'll really start to focus on the athleticism, these great athletes that are really unlike any other motorsports that, that will be coming over the wall. It's, there's a safety element for sure uh, with one less over the wall, but you're going to see their adaptation to how they will be a differentiator between the teams. First thing is to level it. The next thing is to allow them to differentiate themselves yeah, with this skill set.
4: Well, one of the things that's going to be interesting is I think a lot of us have taken for granted the orchestration of pit stops that we've had for decades in this sport. And now with this tweak, I've already heard that it's forcing a lot of teams to reorchestrate pit stops. I always whenever something new comes down the line, I always look forward to seeing. Who is going to adapt the best? For instance, with stage racing, it was Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern in the Cup Series. Well, this is also another opportunity to to a, a adapt to new circumstances and, and new situations. And there's going to be a team that's going to hit on it. And I think that's going to be one of our main storylines is coming from Pit Road this year in 2018.
2: Exactly. And the pit stops are still going to be very fast, but they're going to be a little bit slower so we can accentuate. Um, really what's happening. It's almost too fast in some respects to capture it and uh, so we're excited about this and what the athletes are going to be able to demonstrate um, because it makes a difference. The driver absolutely makes a difference. The crew chief makes a difference and so does everyone that's participating in the track. Um, and then you couple that with the folks back at the shop. It's, uh, it's part of the storylines we think have been missing in the sport for particularly the casual fan. The hardcore fans understand this, but for the for the sport to grow, uh, we need to start demonstrating the team, not just the quarter.
4: More coming up with NASCAR President Brent Dewar.
3: Here they come, three wide for the lead on the back straightaway.
1: There's only one. Here
3: comes Kyle Larson. He'll
1: dive to the bottom on Truick. Great American race. Daytona Beach has so much NASCAR history. Celebrating 60 years of speed. Jimmy Johnson continuing to show the way And suspense. The move is going to come. The question is who will be the first to make it and when will it happen? The 60th annual Daytona 500.
4: Hamlin to the bottom of Johnson. Now, Logano to the
1: lead. February 18th on the Motor Racing Network.
5: It's Rob Tanner, host of America's tailgate party, NASCAR USA. Join us every weekend as we get you set for NASCAR racing with two hours of the hottest hits in country music. The Motor Racing Network's Woody Kane is here with NASCAR news and MRN pit reporter Steve Post stopped by to talk a little racing. We'll have features and highlights you can't get anywhere else, so be here each weekend for NASCAR USA on the Motor Racing Network.
4: Coming up, we'll wrap up our time with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to
4: NASCAR Live. Winding down this week's edition and this opening edition To our 35th year with NASCAR President Brent Dewar. Brent, one of the uh, the questions that a lot of folks have had, it's been in the media, it's been discussed. Uh, Monster Energy has brought a lot to the Cup Series, and everyone is waiting to hear what the status is of their renewal. Any new information you can offer the fans out there as far as where Monster Energy
2: stands going forward? Uh, Not at this time, Mike, to announce, um, you know, they they signed late in the season. We, you know, I I worked with them very closely in in, in bringing them to the sport. And um, they were just looking to have a full season, you know, the way we set the contract. You you try to do a lot of these things, and they had to December 31st. So uh, we've given them an extension to go through the evaluation. There's no question, Um, you know, it was a great season with them. And and any kind of metric that we run, uh, we hit the ball out of the park with them. Um, they 're different, and we 're excited I mean this is a company that is actively involved in motorsports. Uh, they just finished their you know their uh, their motorcycle series just last weekend, and so they 're active in motorsports around the world and and I think we brought a big scale to them and they 're just getting we, it was the right thing to do just give them a little bit more time to evaluate so um, so we 're letting them do that and uh, we 'd love for them to stay for many years and uh, but if they choose not to, uh, we've got a great product, and uh, we're, we're we, you know we'll continue on in that regard. So there's there's meetings coming up, Mike, and uh, and uh, for the fans that have had the chance uh, to go to the Monster activities prior to the race, they're a lot of fun. And uh, I've taken my guests that come to the race, and we've had a great time experiencing how they demonstrate their brand in a very uh, very thoughtful, unique way. So uh, we love having them around.
4: We do. Uh, that's a fun bunch of people and they're bringing a lot to the sport right now. We're getting a tweet here, Brent, from Amelia wanting to know, you know, we tried qualifying and racing on the same day a couple times this past season in 2017. Any more of that coming up in 2018?
2: So we liked uh, the tighter schedule um, and I think there was a you know little miscommunication Mike, as we went into it last year about two day weekends they're not two day weekends they we were just trying to be thoughtful of the schedule at the cup level and to allow more time and space for both the Xfinity and the Camping World Series when we might have three weekends so um, I think the challenge this year um, was really on same day qualifying on on a Sunday with the race and uh, we were uh, we actually pretty fortunate and we we thought it through but you know uh, there's really not enough turnaround time uh, in many cases so I think you'll see uh, less of that going forward but also what we learned and we hadn't really thought about it is the track goes hot for the whole day and one of the most exciting things for the fans is that you know the cold pass opportunity to get down on the track and to get to experience it if you're only coming out for the one day on a Sunday so I think you'll see more of the saturday qualifying for the sunday for the cup and we'll try to manage that there's still lots of efficiency we can work on Uh, these are long days for the for the for both the teams and our crew and the folks at the track so we're just trying to find the right balance to give the best fan experience
4: in a similar but unrelated topic jamie on twitter would like to know are there any discussions going on about bringing more saturday night racing to the cup series
2: yes you know, you'll see that. So you'll see Richmond go back from a day race back to, you know, its traditional night race. You'll see that in the spring. Um, We think it's like a lot of things. You're trying to find the right balance. And, you know, certain markets night racing will fit. We're excited about Martinsville putting lights up. We don't have a, a night race yet for Martinsville, but those give us those opportunities to kind of evaluate. But it's like a lot of things. Fans want more you know, short track racing. Um, But if you did all short track, they would say they want something else. So it's trying to find the right balance, Mike. And I think uh, certain venues will lend itself nicely to night racing um, and other venues won't. And uh, so we just try to not force it and try to find the right balance.
4: And one final question from our folks in Twitter land. Um, Gentleman asking about, Uh, seeing drivers participating in other forms of motorsports. A.J. Allmendinger in the Rolex, Larson in sprint cars, Kane wants to run more sprint cars. How does NASCAR benefit from drivers racing in other forms of motorsports?
2: Well, we love it. You know, if they can, you know, if their sponsors are good with it and they're, you know, safe and everything else, we think it's great. Um, So we believe that, you know, all motorsports is complementary. And uh, when you see, you know, people crossing disciplines to race. Um, we think that's just great for, for all motorsports. So, you know, providing they can meet it with the schedules and all of their commitments f- from from the for the aspects. Uh, what we particularly like about some of them going back to the roots is that's where we start, right? You know, so, you know, you're seeing uh, you know, the young guys, uh, Kevin Harvick racing in uh, a and West last year. We thought that was great. You know, it was an, it was, it's not a permanent thing, but going back and, and racing back where he started in Bakersfield. And, and racing in Sonoma, that's that's great for the sport and for some of these guys to complement it. And it's about scheduling for them. They have a long schedule to start with, and if they can make it work and it's in the right balance, and doesn't has a, have a detriment to their commitments in NASCAR, we think it's a win-win.
4: Would you be a fan of more of our drivers doing the double if it was if it was feasible if if it was possible? The double meaning the Indianapolis 500 than the Coca-Cola 600 on Memorial Day weekend.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a unique, re, you know, request for anybody. I mean, I've I've had the chance to participate when I was on the manufacturing side with that and uh, I was exhausted and I was just riding in the <laughs> I was just riding between the two locations. I wasn't driving the car. So, I think it's got to be the right athlete, the right balance, safety, being ready for it. It's not something you should just do. You should be prepared for it and uh and really be trained. These are we have great athletes and trained athletes i think that's the key mike and if they can make it work and that's what they want to do absolutely i think it's it's uh you know it's 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 good for both sports
4: it is indeed uh uh, the rising tide raises all boats um comment very applicable here as far as it's all good for motorsports. and with that my friend we are we are out of time it's been a fast fast time here on nascar live we appreciate you joining us we can't wait to get to daytona and i'm sure that you know speed weeks kicks off with the rolex 24 but as far as the stock car portion of speed weeks i'm sure you and the rest of the the team there at uh, the sanctioning body are excited and looking forward to getting another season underway
2: mike i I really appreciate being with you and uh, getting the inputs from the fans and we're excited about 18 and and hopefully they're as equally excited as we are and and daytona is just a few weeks away and uh, we'll start this great season again
4: Thank you, Brent. Join us anytime, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. That is NASCAR President Brent Dewar joining us more coming up here on NASCAR Live.
6: The thought of winter coming can be chilling. Knee-deep snow, face-numbing winds, frozen fingers, temperatures below zero. And yet, without a durable car battery, it could be even worse. That's why Duralast batteries are tested to perform in harsh conditions. So even if it's 40 below zero, your car can start up like it's 72 and sunny. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. the The
5: Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box.
6: Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is gotta get things just right like progressives name your price tool tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget and now the mood is right wait the lights are back on again Trudy, can you and now it's completely dark
0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: this is nascar live now
4: back to mike bagley Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we throw the checkered flag on this week's show, this week some of NASCAR's top drivers are in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals. Drivers like Casey Kane, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Justin Allgaier, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. will be participating.
5: So that's one of the things I always look forward to um, in the offseason is, is going to run. Um, you know, I think for me that's uh, it's always a, a fun race just to go hang out uh, with people that you know you don't get to race with as often and really you know it's a lot of people that you know you grew up racing with and it's fun watching them throughout the season and going and getting to run a midget it's only really the two times that i run midgets all year so uh it's always fun
4: justin allgaier says for a driver it's a huge deal to win the chili bowl
0: it's huge i mean you know let's be honest um you tell me you could win the the chili bowl or you could win daytona 500 It's it's there's not a lot different to me as far as the the want factor you know i'm i'm you know there's there's a select few races in my life that that uh, i've been close to winning and and had opportunities to win and and haven't gotten them and that's that's one of them that you know you you put it all out on the line and the last couple years i've made mistakes probably more than anything that have kept me from from having a shot at it so it's disappointing so go there and try to try to change that this year and have some
4: fun. 2017 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Christopher Bell is the defending winner of the Chili Bowl and is back to defend his title.
5: To come up here and, and remember those memories of seeing guys like Tony and Casey Kane and um, you know all the, the NASCAR stars that would come to Tulsa, my home state, it, it was really special. And then to win last year and to come back this year with, with no pressure on myself. my The Chili Bowl has been my number one goal for a long time really my whole life as a race car driver. So now that I've checked that off the box, I get to go back to enjoying it, I guess.
4: To learn more about the Chili Bowl, visit MRN.com. Folks, that's going to put a wrap on this week's show. We thank Woody Kane of the News Department here at MRN for joining us. Also, our thanks to NASCAR President Brent Dewar for spending this hour with us. Can't wait to get back on the racetrack. Can't wait for next week's NASCAR Live a special Hall of Fame edition. Be sure to tune in. Folks, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week
1: right here on NASCAR Live. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida and was brought to you by Hercules Tires, right on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbert. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.